Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome everybody, Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Joshua, and today my guest is Josh. So that's not confusing at all. Luckily, there's just two of us talking, so you should be able to tell our voices apart. So maybe not so bad. Again, this is Josh Crocker, friend of the show, multi-time guest now. You can find him on Twitter at I don't know. I don't remember. It's something with <laughs> it's always Jay Crocker with this guy, like every single thing. So I was gonna just go with it, and then I thought, you know, I don't even know for sure. There might be a C stuck in there. I never yeah, know. Yeah. Josh, welcome back. Thanks, man. Glad to, yeah, J C Crocker. Double C. Very confusing. There's two C's. See exactly it's J C Crocker. And I always wonder, like, okay, is it a typo? Do you accidentally like double click the C? No, it's my middle name is C, but like Jay Crocker was taken. So. I know, but they're not right. always, it's not, the C isn't always there in all your usernames. Uh, anyway. Right. I need to be more consistent. Is that what you're telling me? Like this? No, no, I understand. Things get taken. I'm, I'm not one to talk. My usernames are all over the place. Um, it, Since Josh started coming on this show like two years ago when we first started, he is an accomplished writer on playerprofiler.com. So very proud of him for that. It's it's this is not new. This is old news, but I did want to point it out to the listeners that I do have like actual experts on this podcast. This isn't oh, just some actually- guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a reach. We both Go know it's it. a reach. I, I appreciate that. That, that, that that's nice to hear. Player Profiler is a great place, right? It is. It's a pretty cool site, and it's pretty cool that like you've got articles on there with like your name on it. It's pretty cool. It I'm is. Just uh, yeah, a it, tiny. I, it's fun. Just, just a little jealous. Not much. Just, it's cool. I, I would have to actually write something though. Yeah, that that is kind of a sticking point. They're like, they're actually like really open to to people who want to write. You just have to follow the procedures, and th- there are a lot of them. <laughs> but it'll make you a better writer, I think. All right. Hey, there you go. If you want to write, um, don't write for Fusion Fantasy Football. Write for Player Profile because <laughs> people will actually see it then. As you can tell, we are completely, this is this is not, this is like my relaxed, chill out, just, you know, go with it podcast um, because I've been all professional the last several ones. Uh, we got some pretty good evergreen content out there with uh, startup drafts and best ball stuff. Josh couldn't make it for my talk with Dan Williamson on best balls. So tonight he's coming on and we're actually going to talk about auction drafts. And we've both been in a couple auction drafts together in the last, I don't know, month, five weeks or so. Yeah. Both on MFL, my fantasy league, same format and everything, at least the the draft format, not the league. But um, we wanted to talk about our experiences, some things we've noticed. Josh has done more auction drafts and is way more into auction drafts and that kind of league than I am. Um, and so, like I said, he's the expert. You you still kind of like the snake, huh? You like you like all that crazy pick trading. I I, lo- I do really enjoy the pick trading, and we will get to that because. 
So no, we'll just drive right. What are we? What are we going to wait for? What get to? What else are we going to get to? Let's get right into it. So, uh, friend of the show, Neil Clock Dodgers had another uh, sh- kind of listener league going, and uh, I I held off because I didn't want to. You know, I already was in the first one and won it the first year, so I didn't you know want to really push my weight around when he was asking who. Yeah, yeah. No. When he was asking who wanted to join, I was like, no, I'll I'll let somebody else have a chance. You know, I'll I'll sit this one out. Um, only to have you know Three. a few days later, Neil come crawling to me at like midnight one night. I'm about to go to bed. He's like, uh, hey Josh, you, you want to join a you want to join this auction startup? <laughs> I'm like, haven't you guys been doing that for a couple days? Um, so apparently somebody quit. I don't, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to share Josh, but. I mean, they just decided they didn't like the group. I think they were really frustrated with what was happening in the auction. They mentioned that like a certain person was targeting them unfairly. They thought, yeah, and they made the decision to go. So we'll talk about that for sure like in general the whole because when it comes to auctions i it's like some people think there's an etiquette about stuff it's always these unwritten rules and i'm like well they're not actually written that's why they're called unwritten rules and so people get really upset about things but so i think my first thing i want to talk about is is exactly that when we talk about auctions is guys remember it's supposed to be fun it's okay to have fun it's a game joke around have a good time with it it's a slow auction okay chill out yeah and there's always like an initial log jam at at every auction where the market's getting set and people are kind of playing chicken a little bit it's just like the first three or four days are just kind of constipated and that's just how it goes yep so i come in on i believe it was day three day four something like that and uh thankfully they gave me the option to throw the only two players he'd won back in and basically start over so i kind of looked at it it was like julio jones and devonta parker and i was like yeah no thanks um at least not at that price right because we'll get to that there's a definite key there about what you just said right off the bat prices usually get a little out of control and so you really have to look at it and i've seen two it either goes one of two waves when you're doing one of these slow auction drafts tell me if i'm wrong josh anytime you can always jump in but two ways i've seen is either one the people are a little bit hesitant to really go all in and they're just trying to like get guys for cheap right off the bat and you can swoop in and pay and and seemingly overpay and get the guys you want and then as then over the next few days everyone discovers that the prices are going up and you realize that the guy you got early was actually you got him out of value you thought it was an overpay but it was actually out of value so that's the first way yeah so like dj chark was a good was one of those players for me and one of the uh the quarantine auction where people were bidding and fighting over, you know, top tier DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas type wide receivers. And I put 
Turk out for, for 50 bucks, which was probably about like a 15% bid, I, I'm going to guess, of our budget. And he, he went through pretty easily because comparatively, it, it just seemed like I was paying a lot for a much lesser player, I think. Yes, I remember that. I debated very strongly several times whether I would bid you on him. That's what's nice about the non-proxy is you can like you can come out aggressive. With proxy, it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, we've done a couple of proxy drafts the last couple of years with each other too. And I like those and they kind of have their own way, their own strategy. But I kind of discovered a few things about these MFL style and it's a slow draft, like you said, there's no proxy. So you you bid on a player and that's the bid. And it just starts the timer when you bid. 12 hours was ours in both of these two drafts we did. And it starts ticking down. And it can get all the way down to 15 minutes. And finally someone decides, hey, I think I'm going to bid this up. Well, it there's no reserve to use eBay kind of language. There's no reserve. That's a proxy bid. There's no reserve. What you bid is your bid. As long as they go over that, they take it and the clock resets and that's the way it goes. And that's why some people get upset because it can get down to the final hour and you're all excited you're going to get this guy and suddenly everyone sees it up at the top of the page and is like, you know, no, that's too cheap. I, I want that guy. And next thing you know, now it's a whole nother 12 hours. And so a guy can be on the board for literal days at a time before anyone wins him. And it can get frustrating, but it, it's also, it's just part of the game. And I think once I understood how that worked, I, I started to be able to, to play it a little bit. Um, but I did want to say the other way that it goes is the, the hesitant draft, right? Where you can, you can seemingly overpay for guys, especially like, like you just said, Josh, the guys that aren't the, the big names, but maybe tier twos and you can kind of slip them through. But the other way I've seen is people just go nuts and do not think about what percentage of their budget they're spending on players and how many players and roster spots. And they just want their players and they just bid. And this clock Dodgers draft was the most extreme example of that, that I have <laughs> ever seen the the takes were hot man the takes were they were just yes. people were just gonna get their guys and, and that's that's the fun of it it is and here's the funny thing i usually try to be that guy who hits it early because in my experience most of the leagues i've done tend to be a little bit hesitant off the bat but um I, there's another way you can go about this, which is you can be the guy who just sits back and saves your money. And then you may not get like the Saquon Barclays, right? You may not get the Patrick Mahomes, but you'll be able to get the tier two, lots of tier two and three players at a discount. Yeah, you yeah, you better. Like, I, I think it's OK to miss out on like the first round of guys, but if you better start taking multiple shots in rounds two and three, like it is, I don't think it's worth it. If you have to wait more than the first round of worth of players, you know? Yeah. Well, that 
that was the interesting thing because I don't usually do that. So when I came into this draft on day three or four, basically, I was essentially forced into that position. And most of yeah. the top running backs and even most of the top quarterbacks were already gone at exorbitant prices, but they were gone. And so I entered the room and I realized I'm the only one with money. Um, But the best players are mostly gone. So it was really interesting because I normally wouldn't have like chosen to do that, but I was kind of forced into it. Yeah, I my right. My temperament never takes me to that place. I, I'm always just the guy who blew 50% of his budget on two or three guys. And, and yeah. then I'm rubbing pennies together the rest of the time. I usually do like this. Like I sit out the middle of the draft. I like get the big guys and pay up first. And then I sit back while everyone else is scrambling. And then I just clean up at the end. That's kind of my typical auction draft. But in this case, it was fun because it forced me into something I don't normally do that I kind of would like in my mind. I think that's a really good idea, but then I never actually do it. It's so hard to do. <laughs> so I was forced so to hard. Do um, I did splurge on a couple players. I what was left. So it's a super it's a dynasty league. It's a super flex dynasty, two tight end. So there's some spots you really need to fill up. So I did splurge on a Kyler Murray because he was like the last top quarterback left. So I went after him and I did pay up for him. $166 or something like that out of a thousand budget. Um running backs were a little rough. I got like I managed to get Fournette and Chris Carson, and I, there was one rookie left, Cam Akers, that I got at a pretty good price. So I think I managed to kind of pull it out on that end of things, but it was a little tight. It was a little tight. I think that's a pretty good running back room. Like, like that's definitely uh, a good approach. It's just like it's the underpriced veteran volume approach plus Cam Akers, which – makes you feel like you're not too far out on the the old man volume limb and that's kind of what led me to to the next thing that i did which was i started asking and it was funny because i wasn't even there at the beginning of the the whole draft and the setup when everyone's trying to ask questions right so i'm there and i'm like hey can can we trade like picks how does that work (laughs) that that didn't really happen as much as i thought it would like, I think you have to have a few people who are just super aggressive about selling picks, like for for pennies, basically. Right. And 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 then that fire gets started. But we had a few pick trades towards the end, but it, it not not like I've seen it in other places. And and I I think I kicked it off because, like I said, it was funny because I'm the one who wasn't even there, and I'm the one who asked the question. And the reason I asked this because I do like doing what you just said, this kind of old and young approach, because I knew my running backs were a lot of them, let's say Fournette, Carson, and Melvin Gordon were the three older guys I got. And then I got Cam Akers. I'm like, okay, I've got this older group and I've got a young guy. So I need to be prepared and in a position to get another young running back next year. And in this league, the rookie drafts are another auction draft. And so you're trading um, quote-unquote picks, but there's a price attached to each of those picks. 
that'll actually turn into money when the draft starts. So that if you have the 101, you have more money to bid, basically. And so I started asking around and I'm looking around the room and here's where it's really useful to do that, to be aware, find whatever page you need to go to on MFL. You can go up to um, reports and then down to league and there's auction bidding results. And it's misleading because you might think, well, we're in the middle of it. There's no results. Well, you can still click on it and it still shows the real time results. And the first page shows you the teams and their money and their players. And you can click on details and it shows you all of the players that have bid, all the bids that have been won. And it's really useful if you just want to keep track of it on there. I, of course, of course, made a spreadsheet and keep track of it that way. Um, and it's really useful to keep track of who has how many of what players and what kind and how much money they have left. And because people went so crazy, there were multiple teams that only had, there were two teams that had eight or fewer players and zero money. <laughs> Hear me again. This is, you start 11 players. You start 11 <laughs> players 25 man roster they had no money left and they had eight or the one guy had six uh, you just you know when the price is right you just gotta buy it man you just gotta go get it, your guy i guess yeah. i don't know what to say it's like... <laughs> i mean i guess they they felt like that was gonna carry Part of me admires it you know you just... i know i agree <laughs> and part of me didn't want to like bail them out either um, because in a sense, I'm saying I'm, I'm hurting myself because when I traded, I ended up trading $60 to one of those guys for their next year's first and second, which got that's, some people a little that's a upset. Pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Actually, it wasn't that great. It's, a deal. No, it's, it's a good deal, but it's not like a eyebrow raising kind of a good deal. It's yeah. yeah I've seen worse deals. Some get people made. thought it was just because of the number, but when you dug into it, what you could get it for $60 at that time, in a sense, right. I I actually regret it. I wish I had maybe held on a little longer and only paid 50 or maybe just gotten the first or and paid 40 or something like that because um, I could have used a little of that money. I ended up, because of that, losing out on a tight end that I wanted to get. So there's, there's some things like that. It ended up hurting me later, but I wanted to take, as long as I was being forced into this new approach and whatever, I was like, I might as well also take a different approach and try to be a little bit more forward thinking and building. And as long as I am in this position where I have money and they don't, I might as well take advantage of it. So my plan was, I'm telling I'm telling everyone my plan now. I'm in this league with these people and I'm telling you all my plan. That's the problem with having a podcast. Oh, well. So my plan was basically, I'm going to, I'm going to have more money than anyone else going into next year's auction and I'll get my choice of the running backs. Essentially. That's my plan. Um, other people can still make trades and maybe get more money than me, but I have a pretty good head start because I later than I did uh, trade for another second. I think I spent like, I think I paid like $15 for a second, something like that. So already I have two firsts and three seconds worth of money next year. That's a pretty good head start. And um, Josh, tell me if I'm wrong. 
in this format with that kind of rookie auction thing, because the money's getting turned into money and it's an auction where people aren't thinking of a specific pick where they'll be able to get a player, right? And so maybe they'll be more likely to trade a pick because they know for sure they're likely not going to get a player they want there. But being an auction, are people more or less willing to trade those future picks in these leagues? I feel like you you definitely see more, you see the picks attract to the pick buyers. Like I think, I think it's, I think being in an auction league makes the pick buying strategy easier to execute because also like buying a second or a third, it's not just another pick. It's, it's a total. And so you see, well, that's what I've seen is people go after building those totals, maybe not by getting all the first round picks, but by accumulating later picks, whatever gets you to the big stack. And then you can kind of control the auction. So that was my thinking here is uh, I'm going to have an advantage in this startup. And I'm also going to set myself up to have an advantage in next year's rookie draft. And I can hopefully just continue to build on that advantage and just have one up on the league for forever. Right. Yeah. I definitely feel like having the 101 in a auction is less of an advantage because for one thing, it's just easier to outmaneuver the 101 and get to having the big stack. And for another thing, it just, I don't know, when I look at those balances going into those rookie auctions, they just, they're so much more disconnected from standings. You know, it's it's just right. it's the result of an obvious strategy that someone has put into play. Right. You can't just sit back and let it happen. You really have to go after it. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, was there anything else? Uh, I had w- a couple things that trends that I noticed as we were doing these auctions. Just a couple little tips that I wanted to throw out there and then get your thoughts on them. Maybe I'm maybe you have something to add and improve or you maybe I'm wrong. You can just tell me, Josh, you're wrong. Um, so I did notice if, if you are going to try to be one of these people who wait, um, you should still like, like, and Crocker said it, maybe pick one or two guys you still want to go after as core pieces, uh, depending on the, the format, it might need to be a certain position, likely a running back or quarterback. Right. And, and then you can sit back. But here's the key. Again, you want to keep an eye on the room. And if there's if there's more than two, if there's two or more other players that you see not bidding a lot, not allocating, you know, money, not spending money, and it looks like maybe they are also sitting back, my suggestion would be don't sit back. Go ahead and go for it. You don't have to go crazy, but because they are sitting back, they're already making it now easier for you to win people. So you might as well take advantage of that. And I found towards the end of this one, because I had, like I said, paid that $60 and then another 15 and paid up for some other guys, I very quickly was uh, no longer had way more money than anyone else. And there were a few players who wisely just stopped bidding on anything for a long time. And so before long, there were about two or three if not four of us who were not very far apart in our budgets anymore. And I didn't have that advantage anymore. And not as much as I had hoped towards the end of the draft. 
And so that's why I would say don't hang on and wait till the end if there's even two others doing that because you're not going to have that advantage over them. And all it takes is one person to outbid you. So don't wait if there's just a couple. Yeah, and like one bidding war can easily flip that monetary advantage that you had. If there's if there's two guys with money left, one guy left in the tier, they get into a fight over him. Well, then all that patience may have been for nothing. Yeah, and that actually leads to the next thing I had, which is it's it's a little hard to describe. You're going to have to actually try it out and get familiar with it. But as you do it, you'll start to get a feel for there's actually a bit of a of strategy to win as far as how much time is left on a player on when you bid up on a player and then in what order, you know, do you do this group of players first and then the other guy and so on. And so what I would say is the the downside of this format with the with a slow auction non proxy um I think it's a bit of a it's a slight problem but not if you're willing to be the asshole. Like <laughs> like the, you got to define that though. Don't wait. Don't don't worry. I'm just going to say it. Just go ahead and bid the guy up in the last hour. Don't worry about it. Don't feel bad about it. Just do it. I don't feel bad about it when I do it, but when I do it it's because I I didn't have a chance to bid on him earlier. Like if you get bumped and that frees up money that you can now bid on a player who's about to go off the board, that's totally fine. But if you if you are just waiting for that one hour, that that's not very cool. <laughs> I know, but hey, I, I don't make the rules. I just play the game. And here's the thing. Hear me out. Here's my here's my hack that I've discovered. And I'm, I would love to try this in, an, in another draft where I'm actually doing it more intentionally. Here's the thing. Um, as the draft goes on, everything gets cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So the longer you can delay any picks, any oh. bids, any players that you want, and I mean real-time delay, the longer you can delay it, the cheaper you will eventually be able to get them. And so if you can keep resetting that guy with the one dollar oh bid right you're a sadist it's gonna take somebody <laughs> to finally get fed up and way overpay at which point you're like okay fine and they overpaid or they start spending their money on other things and you can get the guy later for cheaper when the entire because and this is what josh brought to me this is your fault okay this is your fault don't blame me okay well so Josh came to me, like I said, month, five weeks ago. And uh, this one was for a best ball league. And so he had this idea about, you know, average points above, basically points per game with a slightly adjustment. And using that along with how much money you're spending to kind of come up with a, a small little metric, you know, how many uh, points above average per a dollar right that kind of thing and so using that unfortunately we just had like last year's data so you still had to keep in mind projections and situations and changes but with that in mind you were able to very quickly evaluate if a player was 
for what they did last year at least being uh had much less spent or bid on them per the amount of points they were going to give you than another player. And so I was able to use that, uh, and that's the spreadsheet I made, and I was able to use that to kind of gauge which players were values and which weren't. And when I went through this process, that's when I discovered that I started tracking day to day um, how many players were won at what uh, value per dollar, that per dollar metric. And it was very clear that the the points per game of the players, the average points per game of players that were being won starts going down. Like you said, it peaks the first couple of days everyone's bidding on these studs, right? And that starts going down. The, and the money is way high. But as the draft goes on, the prices go down but also the points per game start going down. And there's a sweet spot kind of towards, I'd say the back third, um, right before the final third of the draft starts where it's like you're still getting good, um, like running back twos, wide receiver twos, but they're getting sold at like double, if not triple the value per dollar. And so it's like right then you can just start stretching these guys out. And as the board value, like the, the price that everyone's paying just starts going down. It's fascinating. And like I said, if you're not, if you're willing to be a bit of a jerk about it, I think uh, it would be really interesting <laughs> to see what kind of values you could get out of doing that. So that's my exploit. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I would never have come to that place in a million years. But I, I understand what you're saying. It is a little hard to explain, but... No, it, it is, because you, I, I agree with the, the, the logic is good. I just don't know that I would have the dedication to like continually redline a guy like that. Just <laughs> Well, here's the other thing. I love doing, I, I always tell people, especially in the leagues that I run, I'm like, you guys are so lucky that I'm the commissioner in this league because I've discovered when I join leagues that I'm not the commissioner in, I, I'm i pretty insufferable. Like, um, I know the feeling, man. Like, you just feel like you can do whatever the hell you want because you know, like, what the commissioner is going to have to deal with on the other end of it. Right. <laughs> And I'm always like, I'm always on the commissioner's side. I always back them up. You know, I'll, I'll give them a hard time. I'll push the line and then I'll back off and, oh yeah, you're in charge. You're in charge. Yep. Cause I, I respect it. I've been in their shoes, but when it comes to joking around and trying to find loopholes and asking, you know, in the middle of the draft, Hey, can I trade stuff? Yeah, I'm doing that. That's fine. I don't have anything else for auctions. I'm not an auction expert. Um, you got any That's more fine. tips for people? No, I'm, we're good. We can move on. Okay. Because I did want to get to the, the world famous, um, apparently annual segment known as Agree to Disagree. I'd like to have an argument, please. Let's just agree to disagree, my friend. Okay. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to... Agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. 
agree to disagree. Let's leave it at that. Let's agree to disagree. I respectfully disagree. I'm not sure that I agree with you 100%. I respectfully disagree. So the game is we pick a topic, we flip a coin, and one of us has to argue one side of the debate and the other has to debate the other side of the, the debate and what our personal opinions are on the matter um, don't matter because that's the side we get. There's a little bit of a fun debate exercise here where we get to... Uh, maybe make arguments for something we don't even believe in. But it's it's I feel like it's a good exercise to do for just about anything in life to always try to consider and think of possibilities that you haven't considered. It's just an all-around good idea. So tonight we are going to do uh, a, call, a throwback to the first time we did this last year, Josh, and... We actually talked about and debated whether Dalvin Cook would be uh, one of the would be the running back to jump up into the top group of running backs. Now, last year that was Christian McCaffrey, of course, Saquon Barkley, um, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of people thought the fifth guy was Melvin Gordon, maybe David Johnson, right? So that top five or six. And then there was a kind of a tear break. And then that's where your Mixons and your Dalvin Cook, Chubb, and so on. And that's where those guys were. And so there was kind of a debate over, could Dalvin Cook jump up into that top group in 2019 or not? Um, I don't remember for sure who debated which side. And I'm pretty sure by the time we were done, we agreed that he had a pretty decent chance. And sure enough, he had a great season in 2019, so we're going to follow it up again, Josh, and talk about who it's going to be this year. And instead of, we'll talk a little bit, because of course we are not going to stay on target at all, uh, but I did want to pick a name, and we're going to talk about if Nick Chubb is going to be the guy that this time next year is being drafted in that top five or six running backs okay so nick mm -hmm. chubb the positive is nick chubb's going to be a top five running back in 2021 and the negative is he's not so i'm gonna flip this uh digital coin right here tails is going to be yes and heads is going to be hold no. on who's yes it needs to like yes like we need to I know. I'm getting. I was about to get there. We did this last time too, because uh, well, it was brand new last time, so we didn't know. No, I'm gonna give you the. Uh, I'm gonna give you tails, is what I was gonna say. Okay. So your tails, I'm heads. So um, if I win, do I get to pick my side of the argument? See, I already messed it up. I already messed it up. <laughs> I think we had this problem last time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Probably have to, I'm gonna have to cut this out. I'm sure. Uh, I'm trying to think how exactly we did it. We took turns with. Um... Okay, I know what we said. All right. This we is, said that this should not be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> we said that um, you are 
Oh my goodness, it's too late. Uh, I'm the I'm the guest, so you should just let me call it, and then if I win, I get to pick what side I want. That's what I think. No, I think I made you call it ahead of time. Is the what I'm what I'm thinking? So um, like, I'm gonna make like you call which side you want, <laughs> and if you get heads, you get it. Okay, that works. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this um, um, Pokemon trading card game style, uh, and flip the coin and. Uh, if you get it, you get what you want. Okay. Okay. All right, we're gonna redo this whole that whole whole thing right there. <laughs> All right. So how this is how it's gonna work. We just had a little sidebar to figure this out, and this is what we're gonna do. So I'm gonna give Crocker since he's the guest. He's gonna have the first turn, the first chance to pick the side that he wants. And that's going to be fun because when he doesn't get the side that he wants, you're going to know it and it's going to be funny. Um, so which side do you want of this, Chubb? Positive yes or no? I want to argue against Nick Chubb. Okay. You're going to argue against Nick Chubb. If the coin is heads, you get your wish. If it's tails, you have to argue for him. Here we go. Flipping the coin and it is... Tails, you have to argue for him. <laughs> Fantastic. Which is perfect because I was probably going to, I was happy to vote, you know, argue for him. So this is the fun of the game. We get to step outside of our normal. All right. You want to take it away or should I? Go I mean, ahead. you're arguing for the positive. You should probably go first. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, so I didn't actually have a choice there. Um, the positive for Nick Chubb is going to be that the Browns offense could be much, much better. It, it is not uncommon for uh, a quarterback in his sophomore year who gets new weapons. The coaching situation is less than ideal. It, it is not unusual for that offense to flounder. And that's what we saw. And in the coming year, I, I expect some some more chemistry to be there. I, I expect the, the offense to be a lot more efficient, more red zone trips. And I think that Nick Chubb, even if he is in a timeshare with Kareem Hunt, should have plenty of opportunity. I mean, it, honestly, sharing with only one other guy on what could be a good offense is not a bad situation in today's NFL. Well, the problem with that is Nick Chubb, he was great for the first 10, almost 10 weeks before Kamara I mean, before Kareem Hunt came back. And the one of the reasons he was so good was because he was actually getting work in the receiving game. And that's always a good thing for a running back. But that all but disappeared after Hunt came back. And Hunt was out there. They were doing two, two running back sense. Uh, Hunt was getting a lot of work. And I don't think that's going to... That's not going to lessen this year. He's going to be worked in there just as much. And the absolute absolute best possible case is going to be like a cream hunt ingram kind of situation right but i don't know no i'm pretty sure that offense isn't going to be able to support that and so that's really going to take the top of chubb's you know opportunity and ceiling points wise away from him i do believe i'm kind of quoting off my head here but you can look it up double check me chubb was only like running back 14 over those final six weeks because he just had the rushing work and he was barely beat out for the rushing, you know, title 
most yards, but he still was only running back six after, even after that great beginning of the season. So if he goes up to an entire season in that same situation, I find it really hard to believe that he can even get back to six, let alone, you know, top five. I actually think he could fall farther back. We have other rookies, other talented uh, guys coming in in great situations that can easily jump ahead of him. I just think it's too much of a committee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a little I'm skeptical about it because I do think that they're gonna want to use Kareem Hunt, and I think Kareem Hunt is is a very good player and will probably continue to be on the more efficient side of the touches. So if Nick Chubb doesn't get like all of the goal line work, or if the offense is not as good as we would like for it to be, and there just aren't very many red zone trips, Nick Chubb could be very hot and cold, I think. You're you're really bad. Josh. You're supposed to be arguing for it. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I gave it the good old college try, but yeah. And the, it's funny because I know that Josh here has been like going after Kareem Hunt in the off season and stuff like this. Um, so we really probably should have been the other side for it to be a better debate. I do think Chubb could be drafted in the top. We're switching, by the way. I'm taking your spot. Um, I do think he could be in the top six next off season. And I think it's going to mostly be because we're going to see enough from him this year that next year Kamara's gone and people are going to be looking forward to all Nick Chubb again in 2021. And that's why he's going to be in the top six. I I actually like that argument a lot. I, I could see that because I I don't know that this situation that they have with these two running backs is, is long-term tenable. Yes. So if you... If you look at it that way, yeah, it, of course. If Kareem Hunt's gone, then then Nick Chubb would be would be very very productive, I think. And there's another common thread here between Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb this year, and it's the coaching staff. It's Stefanski. He's coming over, new coach there, and this could be actually a more uh, running back friendly offense as well. Yeah, probably going to be doing a lot of two tight end stuff with uh, the off season moves that they've made. So I, I could see it being, I could honestly see it being uh, a backfield that produces maybe not two RB ones, but a, a one and a two. And if I had to place my bets on who was going to be the one, I'd want the guy catching passes because I don't really believe that they just automatically give Nick Chubb all of the touchdowns. I think that'll get kind of split. Well, the great thing about Chubb is he's so good at just getting those breaking those big runs, and you never know that's can be a touchdown. It can just be forty yards, but it's it's points out of nowhere. And so there was a lot of times I had him in a lot of leagues. There's a lot of times when you're looking at the score and you're like you're getting a little worried, and the next thing you know, he's got points, and just like that, yeah. he just needs a little time. He's kind of he's kind of like a little bit like a Derrick Henry in that respect, where. Uh, as it's going, you're a little worried, but then it just takes one or two plays, and he's he's got the points. He averaged over one breakaway run per game. Yeah. Number one in the NFL. Right. That number two and, innovative tackles. Exactly. So he's he's clearly a very good running back, but if they just decide that they like Kareem Hunt in uh, longer yardage situations, it could be bad news. 
And that's why my prediction is buy Nick Chubb during this season for next season. Yeah. I think he could. To- I, I think he could totally handle it by himself. Like I, I just have no doubts about the the Nick Chubb profile and and him not being up to the task. It's just a question of whether or not they decide to give it to him. Well, we kind of forgot. I feel a little bit bad, but apparently, Josh, I'm on the clock. <laughs> I just I it just happens. love it when things come together. So I. I am in a new startup dynasty. And the fun thing is um, these guys apparently like their quarterbacks. So even though I was at the 102, I got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, go me. Um, Let's see. I am jacked up and ready to go. Yep. And six quarterbacks have gone off the board. And here I am at the 211. Um. The best quarterback is now, let's see, Dak and Kyler and all those guys are gone. I'm looking at, like, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, kind of the, the kind of tier that I, I'm not taking here, basically. So I have best available according to the board is Mike Evans, Juju, Amari, Odell Beckham, Kittle, this is not tight end premium or anything like that. It is a tiered PPR. I mean, you do get more points the further out um, the play is. And then for running backs, I do have Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry, um, Eckler, Aaron Jones, those kind of guys. Do you feel like the tiered PPR uh, does anything to like how far apart the, t- the, the top tier tight ends are from the other guys? Because that's what they do, right? They catch passes down the field. So does the tiered PPR, is that like a sneaky little George Kittle premium? Well, when I joined the league, they said they were drafting this weekend, so I didn't have the chance to f- research that. <laughs> I I just wonder. I think it might. No, I definitely make... planned on looking into that, um, like tonight or and tomorrow night. And then they were like, hey, let's start the draft tonight. And I was like, oh, I haven't really looked into what that changes. But um, I guess supposedly that could be the case. I, I wonder if it's one of those things that it's like you don't, like you can go a little bit too far trying to get cute about it. Yeah, yeah. But you might Probably. have a point with someone like Kittle could be a strong choice. But it is not Maybe. tight end premium. It is not too tight end. I'm clan. I, I'm kind of planning on completely fading tight tight end. Basically, um, okay. you only have to start one, and then there's five flex spots. So I got one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and then five flexes. So I'm not really worried about it. So uh, what is your top choice between Mike Evans, Derek Henry? Austin Eckler or Miles Sanders? Oh man, I think you got probably got to go Eckler. It's Eckler or Henry, I think. Uh, keep in do mind, you... yeah, I do have Christian McCaffrey. Um, they're doing a third round reversal, which means I do not pick in two picks after the turn. I don't pick again for another twelve picks. What what position do you think falls the farthest over that amount of time? 
Like I, I think, I think you're looking at well, besides the running backs. Who are there any other real attractive targets out there? No, there's a couple of these top wide receivers on ADP and Kittle. Mike Evans, you said, and then Kittle, and then you have this next grouping of running backs. I feel pretty. I feel pretty strongly I should take a running back here. Um, they're gonna. It's gonna be a while before I pick again. They're gonna disappear. Hopefully, I can squeeze other people to have to take running backs, and more wide receivers and quarterbacks make it back to me. But it's gonna be a little while. Um, it's gonna be like nothing but wide receivers likely from here on out. Once these like four or five running backs are also gone. Aaron Jones. I think I want Austin Eckler out of that group. Yeah, the the only other thought I had about that, the other option, of course, is we're picking a rookie draft positions in this draft. So we're going to have another rookie draft. Um, The two people ahead of me both picked the first and then second position. So I could take the third position overall. Uh, I would have considered it if the two was available. Definitely if the one, because I could go after like Jonathan Taylor. But um, at this point, it's a little questionable who I would be able to get at the three. And if it would be worth anything more, I don't think it's worth more than Eckler or Henry. No, I don't I don't think so either. I was hoping to be able to kind of get one of those young guys, like a Jonathan Taylor or something like that here. And really, I only have to start two running backs. So I was hoping to be able to get those two solid guys. And now go after building a team that's more of a slow build. There's not a ton of trading going on in activity in this league so far. Um, so I'm wondering if I need to kind of take more of that slow build approach. All things said, I think I'm going to go after Eckler, who is, as I said on Twitter, a better version of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He is everything that Clyde Edwards Hilaire ever could hope or wish to be. Um, in every way, including fantasy points. So <laughs> he's a better person. He smells yeah, better. He's taller. He's bigger. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was that. You don't. You don't think we're getting a little bit cute with not taking Derrick Henry? I don't know. That's. He's there. Locked in volume. You kind of have to believe that the Titans are going to run hot. There is 0.1 running uh, point per carry. Um, 0.1 doesn't move the needle that much for me. It doesn't make carries more valuable than targets. No, not quite. The only question there is, this is a debate. Okay, we're going to have the debate. So this week, coaches from, from, I almost said San Diego. I almost said San Diego. From LA Chargers was talking about how they want, Justin Jackson and Joshua uh, Kelly to get involved. And a bunch of people started talking on Twitter about how this is not good and they're worried about Eckler. So, Josh, what do you think? Is this, are you supposed to be worried or is this just what happens every offseason coach speak? Yeah, I think it's I think it's what happens every offseason. Like, what do you expect the coaches to say? They can't say, like, nope, I've already made up my mind. Everything is decided. Nothing to see here. They have to talk this way to players. But 
I also think you have to question how secure his volume is. I mean, I don't think it's as secure as Derrick Henry's, but I think it's more valuable because it comes a lot more through the air versus just carry, carry, carry. And the funny thing is, is I looked it up. It, it sounded familiar what they were saying, and I looked it up, and in August of last year, they were saying literally the same exact thing almost about getting Eckler and Jackson were going to share time and both be involved when Melvin Gordon was going to be out. And then what did they do in the first two games? It was just, it was all Eckler. Yeah. Uh, maybe Justin Jackson just did not fire at the NFL level. You know, and, and if that's true, if he's a dud, then that doesn't that means maybe Joshua Kelly can eat into the volume. But now we're now we're worried about Joshua Kelly. I, I mean, I like Joshua Kelly, but like if that's the concern, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Eckler. Is he? Yeah. Is he really going to eat into his volume more than Melvin Gordon was? And Eckler was it, it, still good anyway. You know, the the running backs that get a large percentage of their touches through the air, like they tend to not be super consistent year year over year. Like things happen, I guess. I really don't need you to remind me about the Duke season. Right, exactly. (sighs) But at the same time, I feel like it's harder for a rookie to just come in and do that. They gave him the money. They gave him the contract. Eckler. Dude, I, I I like Eckler a lot. Yeah. I Keenan and Eckler in this offense could just be could just be monsters. And here's another debate that I've a point that I've heard made, which is that Tyrod Taylor was really bad, especially in, in Cleveland, with the dump off passes. Is there anything to that? Well, LaShawn McCoy did okay with Tyrod Thank as far you. as passes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I I think Phillip Rivers is like pretty great if you want your running back catching passes. He's probably top five for that purpose specifically. But I think Tyrod Tyrod Neckler could work out fine. I don't see a reason to say no, it can't. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. So the question now is 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 it still enough to take him over Derrick Henry. That is the question. And you, you just got to believe in so much run hot for the Titans. Like they have to continue to be super efficient passing the ball with Ryan Tannehill. So Ryan Tannehill does not turn into a pumpkin. Um, their red zone efficiency has to stay super high. Like Derek Derrick Henry could just say, screw all of that. I'm just gonna run for a 70 yard touchdown, but I don't I don't want to have to believe that the Titans are gonna continue to be super optimal. I just don't buy it. Right. Okay, well the other thing I've seen in this draft, and I meant I kind of referenced it before, was a little bit of a, a it's a pet peeve of mine, but at the same time, like I've wanted to join one of these I keep joining leagues with people I know who I know are smart and know these things. And I, I said in the, the, I think I said in the group me chat a couple weeks ago, I'm like, I really need to get away from you guys and join some other league with other people. <laughs> so I, 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 yeah, I've, I have the same experience. Yeah. I found the league. 
I think I've found the league because right off the bat, like I said, the guy takes Mahomes 101 and at 102 I get Christian McCaffrey. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so we have a couple, you know, quarterback lovers around here. Next guy takes Saquon Barkley. Right, of course, of course, right? Next guy, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. 104. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, Mahomes went, so if you want your guy, get him. Fifth pick, Kyler Murray. Oh, okay. So that's what we're doing. All right. Um, People after that started to calm down a little bit, but then Dak went uh, 201, Sean Watson 203, Russell Wilson 206. So that's why that top six quarterbacks are off the board for me here. Um, Josh, should you take a quarterback early in a super flex startup? No, like you have to be so right on that pick. You you have to actually pick the QB one. And I just don't feel like that guy often is the, the QB one that gets drafted. And if he's not the QB one or QB two, then you're going to be having you're, you gain no advantage. I, I no, I don't like it at all. But where's the breaking point? Even in, let's use this this draft as, as an example. At some point, I do need two quarterbacks, preferably three. And at some point, I need to buy them before they're all gone. And so it, is there a point where the you have to pay earlier than you would like to just because of the board? Or do you still just make them all pay and grab the other good players that they're passing? I, I wouldn't want to be in a position with where I, I had to trade for a quarterback, like absolutely had to. But mm. but that doesn't mean that you can't like lower your sights a little bit. If if you're playing in that league, you know, I think you got to be okay with like Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Ryan Tannehill, like that. I think you need to be targeting the, those guys instead of Dak. You know, you're just going to have to accept the fact that you're going to have Dwayne Haskins. But I, I do want to have at least a placeholder. I am really looking forward to going um, Brady Bridgewater on my 5-6 uh, like turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's going to be fine. Tom, I think Tom Brady's going to be really good this year. I'm going to love it. Like... I'm not even a Patriots fan, but at this point, just Brady moving all over the NFL, doing whatever he wants, like, it's awesome. All right, so there you go, guys. Don't don't do it. Hold out. Hold. Hold on the quarterbacks. Don't do it. Um, yeah, I saw someone on Twitter actually say, just comment. They were like, quarterbacks are overrated in Superflex. And I just had a thought, and I said, you know what? The, the top quarterbacks are overrated and the average quarterbacks I think are underrated are undervalued. And so you're going to have these Minshews and cars and Bridgewaters dropping much farther down the draft um, than they probably should compared to the points they're scoring compared to the top guys, right? The, the difference yeah. isn't there to make it worth it. 
Right, exactly. Especially not in the first half of the first round. Like that's just you. You have to be so right about that pick. Nobody knows <laughs> enough to make that pick. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. Like if he if he finishes as the QB three or four, which is still like a very good year, you've lost all all the way from the first half of the first round to what round three, round four, on on a three player positional finish. Whereas like the RB four, he's still probably going in the first round. Josh, I did it. I just took Austin Eckler. How does it feel? It feels really good. And the reason I did it is because I connected, I finally connected the idea that this is a tiered PPR bonus. So I'm not going to get any bonus points from Derrick Henry. But Austin Eckler breaks plenty of decent sized receiving plays. And so I'm actually going to get more bonus out of him. That was my reasoning. And he's already going to be just getting more points per touch. Like it's just, it's a better bet in my opinion. So good. I, I did say on Twitter, I was telling someone, go ahead and sell your one-on-one for Austin Eckler. And it was joking about how he's better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I said, no, don't really do that, but maybe go get, you know, Eckler plus something and you could come out on top on that deal. And um, of course it was a league I had drafted Clyde Edwards and I'm like, I'm going to go sell Clyde Edwards for Eckler plus. Unfortunately, I went to that league and I found I already own Eckler. So that didn't work out. (laughs) Oh, what a sad story. I like that though. I, I, I bet you, I bet you could make that move in a lot of leagues. Yes. What does the plus look like? Like the plus can't be like, I don't know, Donald Parham. (laughs) It's got to be something real. Um, let's see. Well, I was about to say a name, but it doesn't make sense because I was going to say Mike Williams, but he's also on the Chargers. You don't want to do that. But that kind of level player you could go after. Uh, You could even go after a rookie. Um, throw in a maybe a a Pittman or a Mims or a. Ryan Edwards or something along with Eckler. I like that. Because I don't think that there's really much difference between. I like, I feel much better about Eckler's volume than Clyde Edwards Hilaire's volume. Yeah, that is a podcast in and of itself. I keep going back and forth on Clyde Edwards myself. I did just for the fun of it. So I had him in a league. I did take him one one in one league. Um, I took Edward, I took Jonathan Taylor, who is my actual one one at one in another league. Um, and I keep going back and forth on arguments, everything from, you know, Edwards is Clyde Edwards is nothing but, you know, Devin Singletary all the way, the other way to saying he, if Kareem Hunt was able to do what he did, then why can't Clyde? I don't know. I keep going back and forth. Kareem Hunt's very good. Like I don't I don't is think he? we should look at I think he is. Like he, he took he took volume from Nick Chubb very quickly. Yeah, they also needed receiving help in that offense as well. So when he right about the time he came in, 
their offense, their passing game was really struggling. And I feel like they were just using him to get it jump started because Odell was just completely out of it. Um, the third guy Higgins or had whatever he'd shown in the past was gone. And so Baker was just running for his life half the time out there, especially with that offensive line. I feel like that had a lot to do with it. I think Kareem Hunt's just good, man. I hope you're right. Cause I doubted that for a long time. I wonder if I can get Tyler Lockett out of the one Oh one. What do you think? Oh, Clyde easily. You think that someone would give me Eckler and Lockett oh. for Clyde Edwards Lair? And Eckler. That's probably pushing it a little bit. Maybe you have to send back a second round. <laughs> One of those imaginary non-existent thirds that really don't have value. Right, right. That's exactly what this guy needs is a visit yes. from the third fairy. <laughs> I, I like this trade I'm going to make this happen uh, Josh here does not actually think that third rounders are a thing he thinks they're a figment of our imagination they don't they actually exist when someone offered like, him a player for third round he just accepted it because he thought they were offering them him a player for nothing well it was Boston Scott like Boston Scott's not nothing I know I agree <laughs> I will agree because it it aligns with my Miles Sanders doubt. So it's confirmation bias. So I, I will agree. I don't have any problems being in on Miles Sanders and also saying I'll take I'll take my free Boston Scott or I can get it. I was so mad about Boston Scott because I held on to him for about a year and a half in the league. Because I really liked his 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 profile as a rookie, but he was a UDFA, and then uh, even though he was signed originally by the Saints, I thought that was great. They let him go, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, finally gave up on him. And that that's when the Eagles decided to bring him up again and start using him. Of course, so I was a little irritated. I remember having some Boston Scott just because he was a saint, but the Eagles is probably even better for getting a chance. Maybe not for like having an actual valuable role, but if you're an Eagles running back, we're probably going to see what you can do before the season's over. True. Corey Clement was a thing. Yeah. That happened. He's back. He's back too, by the way. Good for him. Boston Scott got a surprising amount of, and this is one of my reasons concerned with Sanders, is he's got a surprising uh, amount of red zone and goal line work, like even more than Sanders. I, You know, that's fine. All right. He's, he's small, <laughs> but he's pretty compact. I We'll see what happens this year. I, I think Miles Sanders is going to take off. He he's not going to be like a top five running back, but I think he gets into that same tier as like where Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and where those guys are. I can't do it. I can't quite put him there. I can't do it. Like running back, 10. he he will be there. Downfield receiving ability, man. That's that's where it is. Yeah. Again, this is a whole debate of its own, but 
I just fear that, look, vacated targets, we agree, really isn't a thing. But when it's vacated because of like injury and so on, it's been shown to benefit the running backs the most because somebody does have to get the ball. And oftentimes it just becomes those dump off passes to running backs. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid his target totals, his target share was just way inflated because it was just Austin. It was, uh, I mean, Ertz, Goddard, and then rookies. Like rookie receivers. That was it. It, it does happen. I mean, it, it makes me think of Jared Cook that year. He was really good on the Raiders. Like that, that was totally just a lack right. of other options. But, but I like Miles Sanders a lot. I mean, Jalen Richard had a lot of uh, targets that same year too. Jalen Richard might also be good. He, I mean, let, let's not let's not be sliding Jalen Richard. I will slight Jalen Richard, and I like Jalen Richard, but but he burned me way too many times when I called him as being a good streamer. Yeah, that's that's kind of tough. I really hope Josh Jacobs just locks that up and makes the jump out of that tier into the top tier. Oh, he'll he'll lock up, you know, 18 rush attempts, but like maybe one target at most. Oh, that's no. That's not yeah. acceptable. Sony I Michelle think West. Could do more. What? Sony Michelle West. Ugh. He he's already done way better than Sony. He's proven that he's a capable runner. I, I agree. I'm just talking about how the fact that we thought he was coming in as being this receiving guy and then he's just not used in that way at all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a rookie thing. Maybe it was a Jalen Richard is good thing, you know? Carr had the... he He's the dump-off king. I mean, he had the lowest one of the lowest depth of targets in the league, not aggressive, short passes in that offensive setting. And you're not getting more targets. How's it going to get better? I just think that it might take a little bit of time for a running back to get his legs under him in the passing game. Oh. And I think, and I think that, Josh Jacobs has enough of a pass catching profile that I'm willing to like, I feel like this is a decent bet that he could actually, he already finished well enough year one. He could add the passing game and that would be, that would make a big difference. That would be a tear jump. I didn't even, I didn't even force this Josh. You, you did it. You said it, but this is exactly a conversation in reverse that you and I had last year about Sonny Michelle talking about with re- yeah. receivers always have a second and third year breakout. So why wouldn't we expect maybe a running back who we thought would get more involved in the receiving game, maybe just needs a year to get more involved in the passing game. If As long as they have that profile coming out of college, that ability that we know they should have, maybe it just, they weren't quite ready to implement it in the NFL. And that didn't happen at all for Sonny Michelle. Because of James White. I mean, well, James hey, White's good. Well, you like, remember, so is Jalen Richard, right? 
These guys are not getting targets for no reason at all. Like I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm I giving you a hard time on that. <laughs> but they did actually a more serious concern would be Bowden, Lynn Bowden, who they plan they've said oh, they yeah. plan on using as a running back, but he's a receiver. He's a 21-year-old first-round running back that has already hit, though. Like, that, that is a very – he's not 21 anymore. But when he came in, he was. That is a very good profile to have. I I, I like the Josh Jacobs bit. He, he is not top-tier expensive, and there is enough there to believe that you could make a little bit of money on that investment. You you just have to buy him because you you went everywhere and bought him, including selling Mixon to me for Josh Jacobs, essentially. And so I think you're just dug in. You know, I don't believe in Mixon. I don't believe that I like <laughs> there are not very many guys in the NFL that I take that line with. But Joe Mixon's one of them. I just don't think he's that good. I think it's pretty incredible. He was running back 12 on that team last year and that offense line and that just everything. I, I just don't know how it doesn't improve. Yeah, I think Joe Mixon is like, like a little bit souped up Marlon Mack. That's fine because Marlon Mack is, you know, running back to archetype. So if Mixon can get up to running back 10, I'm I'm happy. Mixon is a good he he's a good bet to make if you can get him if you can get him at that right price. Yeah. Like I'm not he, sure. he really is. I think maybe what you're saying is and I agree, I'm not sure he has he doesn't have the ceiling. I don't think that there's a chance that Mixon's gonna jump up and be running back three this year. I just it's probably not gonna happen. That's pretty fair, I think. Yeah, maybe he never has that like Todd Gurley year where he just destroys, but he could be in that back half of the top tier conversation for two or three years. He's going to be reasonable. better than running back 14. It, it, you got to buy a Joe Burrow. You got to buy that. He's going to. I will buy anyone see. not named Andy Dalton. A- Andy Dalton had good seasons. I mean, maybe, maybe the magic is gone, but. It, it's very much gone. And plus, and this isn't Dalton's fault, but that offensive line, they lost, they lost, they had injuries from, you know, before the season even started. And that's why I said it's amazing Mixon was even running back 12 on that team. Um, they just need to be a little bit better. And, and he improves on that. Yeah. He's a fine bet in that group. I think I probably like Joe Mixon's chances of jumping up better than Aaron Jones. Probably even better, better than Derrick Henry. What about Chubb? Like, I think Kareem Hunt's going to be a big problem this year, and then I don't even know what's going to happen after that. So, Yeah, it wouldn't surprise I me. I think Mixon... Joe, Joe Mixon has more... I like his volume better. I think it'll... It'll be, you know, more passing, more productive. I think Joe Mixon will get better touches than Nick Chubb. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. All right, Josh. Yes, sir. We have to end this at some point, so might as well be, might as well be now. Okay. 
<laughs> feel sad. <laughs> the worst <laughs> outro ever. Josh, where can they find you? Twitter, how many C's? Two C's. J-A-C, Crocker. And I, I ha- I'm working on an article for Player Profiler. Of there will be something are. soon. All yeah. right. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, again, that is playerprofiler.com. We're going to hammer out these coin toss rules too. Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we, we're going to get this down. No, we're going to do it again <laughs> this year. We'll be more prepared when we have a little bit okay. more. This is like hot take season right now. And I feel like like I'm, I'm partic- like especially combative on Twitter these days. I'm not sure. I think I'm just bored. Um, I think it, yeah, it, the, the off season does that to you. There gets to be a point where it's just like, I understand. Yeah. So let's. So if if this podcast becomes nothing but a like fight podcast over the next month, um, sorry. Um, I just. What else are we going to talk about? Uh, I, I'm inviting people on who I disagree with to to come on and fight me. Fake football fights. Whether we've hopefully got more of those coming up. A little bit more in depth on some of these players. Uh, maybe we'll have some double headers, things like that. So it should be should be fun and entertaining. I, my goal my goal is one day to get somebody to curse me out, like <laughs> like just somebody just just like break out and just start telling me what an idiot I am and how wrong. It I needs am. to probably be someone you're in an auction with. I think that would be the best way to get there. Yeah, I could goad them into it with a bunch of red line bumps. Yeah, yeah. I could do that. There's some people on Twitter that uh, I don't talk to much that, that have some takes or really disagree with. So if I can get one of them on here, it, it might be fun. I, I I hesitate to do that someone I don't really know that well, but I wonder if if that might be more entertaining. You're just going to have to find the right guy. Yeah, or, or lady. Could be a girl. Yeah. So after I took Eckler, after I took Eckler, it went uh, Kenyon Drake. Wow. And then someone took the the third rookie slot. And then someone took Sanders. And then they took the fourth and the fifth slots. So suddenly uh they're going rookie draft crazy. That's I think that's a terrible choice. So like one oh five went ahead of Derrick Henry? Yeah. That's a ter- I think that's a terrible oh, decision. That... This is gonna be a great league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 